Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. I talked to Glenn Marie Saint Beard, Stephen Beans. We are reflecting on something we said once upon a time on this podcast, which is not something we often do. Usually we just say stuff and it goes out into the world. And then I forget what we said. And then we just say something else the next day. That's podcasting 101. You can sign up for my seminar coming soon online. Say stuff, forget it. Say new stuff again. We are revisiting our podcast from July about whether Ohio State's 2023 football team would be the greatest team in college football history. A couple of things, gentlemen, have changed since that podcast. One is at the time we were operating under the assumption that would be the beginning of the expanded playoff, which feels like is not going to happen. So part of it was like, wow, like here we go in this era, this, this year when Ohio State's going to have all these pieces in place, all these third-year guys ready to pop. Yeah, it's going to be expanded playoff. It's going to be cool. That doesn't feel like it's going to happen. The other thing is no Quinn Ewers, which is, Stephen, I'm not saying 100% of the reason we did that podcast was based on Quinn Ewers, but like 88%. And he's not here anymore. He was definitely a, a, a beautiful cherry on top, especially because we were doing it off of the back of JT Tweema low-out committing. So, yes, yeah. it was it, it was very much a, you know, it, it enhanced it for sure. We were leaning into the potential of this yeah. 2021 class and how many big-time third-year dudes. And this was even before, this was before Ewers reclassified, right? So this mm-hmm. was when we still thought he would be a second-year guy then, ready to ascend to the starting job. Then it turns out, oh, he got here. He's going to even have more experience by 2023. It's like, no. So much changed. So, so much, much has changed. changed. Which is why, but like, we got to put it on the record. Like, I, I want us, I like, revisiting it, it is hard, but people can always revisit it. But like, you put this stuff on the record. I'm not, a, like, I'm not ashamed that we did that podcast. It's reflective of what we thought in July, and it's not July anymore. So your opinions change, and we put it out there at the time. Here's the other thing that has changed, as I think we're going to wind up perhaps having a different view of 2023. Bill Connolly, you know, those, those things come out, the SP plus ratings, they're out. The projection came out last week, the projections for 2022. And like Ohio State is 
somewhat by far the number one team in the SP plus ratings and their offense is super far ahead of anybody else. So Nathan, one of the things that has happened is it might be the case that Ohio state's 2022 team is going to be better than the 2023 team, which is why, and we had this carried out there. Now there's no such thing as a reset year. There's almost no such thing as a peak. It's Ohio state football all the time. But they were young in 2021, and Ryan Day talked about it a lot, and they're going to come back with a second-year starter at quarterback, a second-year starter at running back, and a second-year starter at receiver who are all arguably as good at those positions as anybody in the country. And with the revamped defense, with the new scheme and a new structure and entirely new coaching staff, when we did this last July, it felt like we were waiting maybe on 2023, and I think we're just now waiting on 2022 because there's a lot of stuff in place for this to pop right now. So this is a 2023 podcast, but our view of 2022 has also changed, I think, from where we were last July, Nathan. Well, for some of us, because if you go back and listen to that podcast, very early on in it, I said, hey, take a look at 2022, because if you think 2023 is really going to be that good, 2022 is not going to be that far off. And your quick response was, well, yeah, but that'll be Quinn Ewers as a true freshman. And like everything we were looking at, like all of that, so much of that conversation was really based on they landed this guy and that put this window, it opened this window even wider. And I think all along 2022 seemed like a potential, because again, the last time they did this, last time Ohio State won a national championship, they were a year ahead of schedule by Urban Meyer's own admission. And the more I look at it, it seems like a similar scenario could be playing out here, especially when you look at some of the questions we had about 2023 that are, I think, even bigger questions now than we thought at the time. All right. So to be fair, probably like 117% of why we did the 2023 podcast was because of Quinn years. I don't want to underestimate <laughs> So let's start there. We, we have the depth chart that, Nathan, you did then, projecting the depth chart last July for 2023. We're going to go through that, what's changed, what still is in line. Quarterback, Stephen, who's going to be their starting quarterback in 2023? It's like a market down Monday. Um, <laughs> for real. <laughs> I think Ohio State's about to enter a world where they've got one-and-done quarterbacks after CJ. Um because both of these two guys just might be able to do it. So I'll say Kyle McCord, Dwayne Haskins it for a year, and it's good enough to go pro after 2023. Nathan, who do you think the quarterback is? Yes, I would say right now that it's Kyle McCord. And it's not because he's been here a year earlier, longer for me. It's literally because he's got like serious arm talent, and they're going to have a bevy of receivers for him to really have like a Dwayne Haskins type season. Does it matter at all that Devin Brown, who is the other option, because the other guys left, came to the class late that he has not was not like ingrained in the Ohio State way of football? Does that, or is it just that McCord is a freaking five star recruit and is here longer? And why wouldn't it be Kyle McCord? I mean, is it just Nathan? Is it just that it's like who's the quarterback going to be? It's be like I don't know current backup who's a five-star recruit what are you asking of course it's Kyle McCord yeah no I don't think his the the timeline of him being a little bit of a late recruit I mean he's here 
this spring. He's here as early as he can be to start his true college career. I don't really think that's a factor. I think I agree with Steven, though, that it's already I have felt a little bit weird about Common Cord or how we talk about Common Cord sometimes or feel a little bit sorry for him because it's like he did everything he needed to do as a prospect. I mean, made himself a a, a national figure and, and got himself very highly ranked, proved a lot of things, won a lot of games, won championships. And then, you know, he gets here after Stroud, after Stroud's already had a year ahead of him. And then Stroud goes on and has a year he has. And McCord doesn't look great at times this year. And then this whole time you had the Ewers specter floating around him. And I think it's going to just be his opportunity after after a couple years of, of having to strive for something. And we assume, assuming Stroud, you know, has a good healthy season this year, that there won't be a, a bigger role for Common Cord in 2022, that that will finally be his chance to like have ownership and and take the reins and those intangibles in addition to what he has just in terms of talent, I think is what will make him the starter. If that's the case, Stephen, is there anything about a third year Kyle McCord compared to what we thought would be a second year Quinn Ewers that should drastically change our opinion about how good that 2023 Ohio State football team can be? Or should the idea of Kyle McCord, third year in the system, first year starter, is that a through the roof expectation for the offense? No, I think it's not going to have as much shine because Kyle McCord wasn't a perfectly rated quarterback, but I still think the ceiling can be just as high because he has started a college football game before that he does. He didn't always look great at it, but he has started before and he has valuable reps. He'll get more valuable reps this season, but then also he does have that caveat of he's been committed for so long that he's already, he's been really in the system for a while, even if it wasn't like a day-to-day grind thing, he's been kind of learning the Ohio state quarterback way really longer than any of the quarterbacks that have been here since Ryan day took over because of how early he committed. So I do think that Akron start plus two years of garbage snaps at the end of some of these games and how long he's been, you know, building this relationship with Brian Day and Corey Dennis, that'll be enough that it's very, I keep throwing Dwayne House's name, but it's very, very similar to that where he might just hit the ground running and we might not even see the first year starting quarterback jitters that we saw with CJ this past year. All right. So two more, what ifs I want to throw out there. First of all, staying on McCord at this point, is it even a possibility in anybody's mind that Kyle McCord would be here in 2023? He's here now. Sat behind the starter as a freshman. He's back now. The starter is a Heisman Trophy favorite. Is there any reason that Kyle McCord would decide to leave and try to go play somewhere in 2022? I, I think you'd have to consider a possibility, I suppose. I, I, there might be a situation out there for him where he feels like there's even more certainty. Like If he thought there was somewhere he could go and play this fall, um, and, then, and that was that was not some kind of a huge step down from our state. I just don't know what that would be at this point. And the, he's in a very tough spot, I think, as 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 the portal era goes, because on one hand, again, you've proven so much. You are better than you, you can look around the Big Ten and think, man, how many, I'm better than how many of these quarterbacks? Probably they're going to be starting games throughout the Big Ten. But at the same time. Where are you going? And is that opportunity that you're 
going to really better than not only taking over and being the man in 2023, potentially, but also if you're the backup in 2022, I mean, things don't always go according to plan. Like things like injuries happen. And like the, so the opportunity that he has, if he stays at Ohio state is kind of massive, but the downside is also, you never really see the field. If you don't get around in 2023. Yeah. There's no Ohio state for Justin Fields to go to, right? That's what, it, I mean, that was, per, there's no that out there for Kyle McCord. So if he, I, I, if he leaves, it's because Devin Brown took his spot as a number two quarterback. Yeah. That you'd get pinched on both ends because the thing that Kyle McCord, I think the thing that would make Kyle McCord leave is some fairly strong reason to believe that your chance to be the starter in 2023 is now at mm-hmm. risk that you're not leaving because you're demanding to start in 2022, but it's like, all right, I'll wait this out. But then like year three here is my time. And if you get any indication that that doesn't feel like it anymore, then maybe which Steven leads me to the other question. Is there any chance that CJ Strauss is starting quarterback in 2023? I'd put like a 1% chance if he has like a Spencer Rattler year, but yeah, no him and, Bryce and whatever order you want to take him are going to be the first two quarterbacks taken off the board. He would have to completely take a slide for that to not be the case at this point. And the idea that, I mean, any world, we talk about all the time. If you're going to be a first round pick, you've got to go. The idea that Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud is awesome and stays Nathan. Like, Mm -hmm. is it even, is it even that the only way he would be back would be if something went wrong and nobody wishes that. And then who knows what would happen, but that if he's good again, there's no chance he's back for four for fourth year. I don't know. I mean, like, what, what, what would wrong have to really look like? What do you mean by wrong? Well, because I mean, if he would have like, any kind of injury, like he has an injury that, like, he can't play for a big chunk mm-hmm. of time, and that that would affect him, and he's got to come back and get on the field and put more film out there in twenty twenty three. Again, nobody hopes that that when the aliens, if the aliens abduct him, yeah. that they keep him for a couple months, they don't just abduct him for a couple weeks, or like, I just don't. Like if he's not as good, I, I, I like, I don't know. Right. That if yeah. he's, he's, he's good, but he's not Heisman finalist. Good. Right. I, I, I don't but know. Not, I don't even know if that, because Justin Fields was, and then he wasn't towards the end of the year. So I don't even know if he has to be like Heisman. It's just gotta, I almost feel like it can't just be as fun as it will look at times for it to be him and Jackson Smith, the Jigba playing catch. It can't just be those two playing catch because then that's when you get into the, oh, he's a one read quarterback and he wasn't a one read quarterback the year before because he had three first rounders on the field. So there is a lot of this that's going to be on how, what do Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming do? And do one of those guys just step up into the, and not saying that like from his perspective, how involved does he get with those guys? Does he start to incorporate or does he start to incorporate his runs? Just what part of his game gets unlocked like next year because if if it's the same exact quarterback then i mean there are going to be a lot of questions he'll probably still be a first rounder but there is a difference between being the number one pick and being the number 31 pick so it would have i think that's what looking wrong looks like where he doesn't look like he got better this offseason he's just the same quarterback with weapons that might not be as good i guess i would just say that i know that people right now are saying he will be a you know either he or Young would be the first guy off the board. But he was not the same kind of 
prospect, partially because he rose so late. But so did Justin Fields, and Justin Fields was still like number two prospect in the country coming out of high school and huge ranking. And Stroud was never quite seen as that level of quarterback uh, prodigy someday, like the way that Lawrence was, the way that that uh, Fields was. And then I, I will say I know that Joe Burrow wasn't either, but then Joe Burrow had the Joe Burrow season. Well, so, so here's – I actually think that if you're looking for a comparison for C.J. Stroud, that Joe Burrow might be the comparison, not in terms of like development timeline, but what he looks like as a great quarterback because I think a lot of – as we've talked about, I think C.J. has shown like really good pocket presence. I think C.J. Is, is an accurate quarterback, that he's not the natural athlete that Justin Fields is, and he can't run it like Trevor Lawrence can even. But like Joe Burrow – CJ was a much higher rated recruit, but he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. So Um, what is CJ Stroud? I want to know what CJ's 40 time is because Deshaun Watson's was four, six, eight, four, six, seven. And I think I asked like Garrett that during the season, he was like, it's four, seven, four, six range. I, I don't think he, I think Deshaun Watson is a better comparison for him where it's like, it's the, the running is there, but it's not what he does. He's a really smart quarterback with a quality arm. But I think CJ might throw it better than Deshaun Watson. That's like, Oh, she just drives better than Deshaun Watson. I, yeah, think, he might, I think he but, might be more consistently accurate. Yeah. Um, but like the idea of like with both of those guys, their mind is what yeah. the way that it's, I mean, those, those are the two guys where it's like, Hey, why didn't you make that throw? I mean, Deshaun Watson has plenty of videos all over Twitter of him breaking down different coverages and why he did certain yeah. things. That's why I say I don't, I don't. Joe Burrow is the hot name right now because he's in the Super Bowl, but I think CJ and Deshaun. And I remember asking CJ that when he was in high school. He's like Deshaun Watson is like a perfect comparison for him. I do think, but people coming out of Clemson, some people had questions about Deshaun translating to the NFL. Yeah. In a way that I don't think they'll have questions about CJ. Mm-hmm. I just mean it from like an accurate cerebral standpoint. Burrow's a pretty good athlete. Burrow can get out and run when he needs to. I think Burrow probably is a little faster than CJ, maybe. Um, I'm just trying to think of like who's a guy who wins in the pocket with his head. And but I think I think Watson is is interesting. I think Watson is interesting comparison. This will, this is going to happen all year because they're going to make comparisons. But at the moment, draft analysts love CJ Stroud. So percent chance that CJ Stroud is a quarterback in 2023. I mean, it, it's like basically zero. You can't anticipate it. It would have to be something unanticipated, right? Either mm-hmm. some kind of regression as you outlined, Stephen, or some kind of thing where he doesn't play as much as we're expecting him to play. And that happens. So there's, it's really not really worth discussing very much because he's really good and he's probably not going to be here. All right. So Kyle McCord's the quarterback. That's change. We'll get to the rest of the 2023 depth chart next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so we're not going to spend as much time on every position as we did at quarterback. But again, it was 117% the reason that we did it. Quinn Ewers, no Quinn Ewers, but they got another five-star sitting there. Nathan, you had uh, Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor as the top two running backs. We're on track, right? Anything, you know, that's one of the reasons, again, 2023 looked good because it could be the third year of Trayvon Henderson. And I think everything we saw confirmed that. Yeah, I, I don't really have any reason to adjust that at this point. Henderson clearly will be the, the number one. And, you know, prior didn't do much this past year. But I don't think that changed my thinking of what his trajectory is. 
Is there any re- – well, no. It's Trayvon Henderson, and they might get another huge recruit in the 2023 class who might be here as a freshman. But, Steven, that guy's like not going to unseat Trayvon Henderson. Maybe he'd work in. But Trayvon Henderson's going to get get the bulk of the carries in 2023. If Richard Young commits to Ohio State, he's just the number two running back. Yeah. That's okay. the only change here. He's the guy to keep an eye on, right, for 2023. Yes. That, that would be Yes. Nice. All right. So receiver then. Uh, Steven, Nathan, when we talked about it – Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ekbuka. Is there any reason to not think that Harrison and Ekbuka have to be here? I guess the idea is if Fleming really pops this year, then maybe he's not around, and then maybe all of a sudden you're talking about a second-year Caleb Burton or some of these other receivers Mm -hmm. who just got here. Are we on track, we think, with those three receivers? And should our expectations be pretty high that if those are the three receivers, they're in pretty darn good shape? Yeah, those are the three receivers. I think there's – I'm going to leave the 15 to 20% chance that maybe Julian just breaks out and has the Jamison Williams season, but he has it at Ohio State alongside Jackson, and he's gone. But, yeah, that's like 15 20% of me. The rest of me thinks these are just going to be the three. All right, tight end. Nathan, you had Cade Stover and G. Scott. So it's not going to be Cade Stover. Is there anything about tight end that might hold back – the 2023 team or they'll just figure it out one way or the other you know the way this offense is designed i guess if they didn't if they didn't develop a tight end that they thought was blocking at the level they needed to that would maybe hold them back i don't think it the receiving talent of the tight end room is going to make an impact on how good the 2023 team is so if we had to guess who do you think the the tight end who plays the most snaps in 2023 will be in a christian I think it's either Christian or Royer. All right. We've had tight end discussions. We know the deal now. They're probably not going to get a top 50 rated player at tight end with the way they run offense here. Left tackle. This is an issue. It was back in July when Zach Rice was the guy that we kind of arrived on. Because Nathan, you had TBD and then TBD was like big time left tackle recruit to be named. And then there really kind of wasn't one named, at least to the level that we were anticipating. There was another guy who was it a mirror something, Stephen, that was also mentioned along with Zach Rice. It was a recruit that didn't come here. I can't remember who. It um, was. Oh, um, hold on. Give me, he ended up at a uh, Michigan state. Give me two seconds here. So Zach Rice went to North Carolina. So, This was the biggest question mark then. And Nathan. Keontae Goodwin. He ended up, sorry, Keontae Goodwin. It was a lot like he ended up being a five-star. He ended up at Kentucky. Excuse me. That was the other. That wasn't the name though. It was another name. you. Emil Wagner. Emil Wagner. Yeah. Ended up at Notre Dame. Notre Notre Dame. Dame. Okay. So basically that it, who is it now, Nathan? (laughs) Who is, or, or is this like a, we thought it was possibly an issue when we did it in July. Now we're another recruiting class into it. They didn't seemingly solve starting left tackle in 2023 in this most recent class. So is this a problem? It's an even bigger issue than when we talked about it the first time because the guy that I picked to play right tackle will not be here. <laughs> no, I know. We'll, we'll get to him in a second. I'm just saying that now we went from not knowing who the left tackle was going to be to right now I could not tell you with certainty who either tackle is going to be on what we we're trying to argue is going to be the greatest – 
team in, in college football history. So they're so, getting it from both sides because, as you said, Dewan Jones, you had projected as the right, right tackle back then before we thought Dewan Jones was going to win a starting job in 2021. So on one end, they have accelerated the development of one of the tackles. And on the other end, they missed on getting the guy they wanted to develop. So, Nathan, they're, they're taking it from both sides that the uncertainty at the tackle spot in 2023 is amplified. Yeah, and I, I, it's, it's an issue like, because I don't know that you look at this roster right now and think even if someone is like ahead of schedule – or even if what we know about guys now, the developmental guys, are they going to hit to the level of what you expect from a national championship caliber left tackle? The Josh Fryers and the Zen Machowskis and those guys, like they're going to have to make not just progress, but like a jump based on things we know about that room right now. Right. So I, it's almost, how do you get to this point? with the rest of this roster and leave yourself so wide open at these crucial spots. Why is Greg Stradrawa no longer the Ohio State <laughs> offensive <laughs> line coach? Answer! <laughs> this was like, we just recreated the conversation that Ryan Day and Greg Stradrawa had. What if this is the exercise they did to show him why he can't come back? Yeah. Steven, can you solve this problem for us? I'm Who, are the try to. Who are the tackles in 2023? I'll Zen Machowski. I'll let's if, if I'll pick him as the, the guy in the 300s who ends up being a lot better than that. And uh, I don't know Fit, if Ben Cur- uh, What about Fitzy? Do people believe in Fitzy? He's a tackle, right? George Fitzpatrick, good athlete. In year two, I think your guy, like, it's just man, that's asking a lot. I would go Tegra. I would go him over Fitzpatrick, um, but maybe Ben Christian can play uh, can play out there. Um, but I'm just going to go with the safe answer and say Portal. Does it feel like they need to get at least one Portal answer at tackle for 2023? That maybe they'll somebody will emerge, but at the moment it's two TBDs. Can can they? Do you think there's a pretty good chance two guys emerge? Listen, it's Ohio State, man. They got Justin Fry. Justin Fry will start working some magic. They got guys on the roster. They got ten guys to choose from. Nathan, they'll figure it out. Or or is it at least one portal answer? Do you think? Well, I think there's probably going to have to be a portal answer, um, or it's up to this roster to prove that that isn't where they need to go. I'm, I think that Mark Pantoni and his uh, guys are probably already looking ahead to what could potentially be out there to solve this problem. Cause it right now it is a problem for a national championship aspirational team. I thought the part of the conversation that we had back in July that crystallized this for me was you made a really, you, you framed it in a really good way. Who do they have that, that it was the plan for them to be the one that would start at this point. Like, and, and now you start to look at, you know, Paris Johnson most likely being gone. So, so Donovan Jackson, that's a plan guy. And Luke Whipler, that's a plan guy. Mm-hmm. And if Harry Miller may still be around for 2023 at this point, he would also be a plan guy, but that doesn't help you. Well, not a tackle, well, not, not a tackle, tackle yeah. not a tackle, yeah. but yeah. I'm talking about the whole offensive line. Like, so, so interior wise, I think it's all plan and everything you look at on the exterior 
on the edges is backup plan or, or, or like, you know, you know what I mean? Plan B. So we had talked about the beg Paris Johnson to play a fourth year at Ohio state plan as part of this potentially. And I do think when you look at Zach Harrison, this is a five-star guy who certainly could have gone to the NFL, but has stayed at Ohio state for a fourth year. And Steven, if Paris Johnson isn't an all American in his first year playing tackle, I think Zach Harrison shows you the path for a guy like that to come back that like, listen, like my, my family supports my decision either way. I'm invested in college. I do care about this stuff. The NFL's not going anywhere. I've been good, but I want to be great and I'm going to stay and I'm going to play one more year. It's hard to bank on that. That can't be their plan on the board. It can't be the plan that Zach Harrison did it. It doesn't feel quite as fanciful to me for the idea of maybe Paris Johnson doing that. It would be very helpful to Ohio State if Paris Johnson was as good of a left tackle this year as Zach Harrison was as good of a defensive in this past year. That would do them so many favors because it's good but it's not first round, first tackle off the board good. Because then you could sell him on that. Yep. And, but do you, I mean, that from a competitive standpoint, do you want that? It's like, we want you to be really good this year, but we don't want you to be like, you know, the dude everybody thought you were going to be quite yet. Wait for that for another year. But that would very much help Ohio State if it was a situation where Paris could go pro, but he could come back. And we had talked about this, Nathan, like the, the Paris Johnson retention plan that a texture brought up last week and it's like well that's that's not gonna do it it's not gonna do it if he's gonna be a first round pick but if he's hesitating at all right and i i don't i don't know i think when we talked about it in july because listen paris johnson was good this year but paris johnson was not an all-american guard so when we were talked about it in july we we didn't know what paris johnson was going to do in his first year as a starter on the interior offensive line he was very good he was not so spectacular that it's not worth at least discussing this, right? So I think it feels, I don't know, 20% more probable than it did in July that Paris Johnson mm. could be here in year four. I don't know about 20%. I mean, and also Ohio State's not in a, any kind of position. Like, Ohio State's got to get back in the playoff. So it needs I, I, it needs Paris Johnson to be an All-American this year. Like I think you don't, you're not going to root for him not to be great this year. You want to go back to the playoff and you have an opportunity to maybe win a national championship this year. You've got second year CJ Stroud. You've got, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba the last year, you're probably going to have him. Like there's too many other things lining up. Like I think you want Paris Johnson to be an all American. And then you try to figure out 2023 and cross that bridge when you come to it. Um, and I also think like the way you phrased it when we talked about this, the first time was you'll beg Paris. And I'm the one who sort of stood up for the, well, I don't think it's that big a deal that they moved him to guard. The one area where I would say that this could come into, into play, I guess both sides of it, maybe he would feel like he needed a second year. But if they're telling him that it's he's a first-round pick, I think when if Ohio State tries to come to him and beg Paris, I think Paris says, I already did you guys one favor. I don't need to do you guys another favor. Like I'm, I'm. It's time for me to like. They're telling me to come. I, I've got to go, and I think he'd be right. 
Paris been doing favors for Ohio State ever since Urban Meyer retired. He did him a favor by not publicly decommitting. He did him a favor by not playing tackle into his third year. This is this would be his third favor, and they've done nothing for him yet. But I'll take uh, to the point of he maybe he needs to be an All American, and I know it's not exactly apples to apples because tackle and guard are. You know, the money there and the value there is not completely the same. But Wyatt Davis was a five star top guard in his class. And he was all American in 2019. And he came back. But I know it's not completely the exact same. But for the, the concept of an offensive mayor, offensive lineman in year three becoming an all, all American and then still coming back, it's, it's not crazy. It, it, and it is the concept. It's not, you wouldn't root for it. But if he's an all American and he wins the national championship and he's going to be a first round pick, then it's like, oh, he's out of here. no, no, no. He's gone. If he's, very good, but he's second team all Big Ten. Ohio State loses in the playoff semifinals, and he's projected as a maybe first round pick. Then I think the door's cracked, right? Which is sort of what Zach Harrison just went through, mm-hmm. right? Good year, good team, not great year, not great team, not first round. Now it's in question. Some guys still would go, and it might still be the right decision to go, to go be a second round pick have a really good Ohio state career without a national championship ring. But I think it's worth, it's at least in the discussion enough that it's an option, but they cannot bank on it to your, they've got to have the plan without Paris and the plan might be two portal guys, potentially, or at least one of them. All right. Interior offensive line, Steven, at the time we're talking Donovan Jackson as a starter at one of the guard spots, Luke Whipler as a starter at center. And then the right, uh, the other guard spot at that time, we had Enoch Vamahi and Ryan Jacoby. Ryan Jacoby has since transferred as the main contenders there. I mean, I think we probably feel good about Donovan Jackson and Luke Whipler being interior mm-hmm. offensive line starters in 2023. What do we think about that other guide spot, that guard spot? And as Nathan mentioned a little bit earlier, Harry Miller had a really weird 2021. Does that put him back in the mix for maybe being here in 2023? Or if not, who it is? Who is it then? Is it still Famahi or somebody like that? Yeah, and I've, we've had the conversation of maybe this is a battle again for that starting center spot between Harry Miller and Luke Whipler. Um, and I think I'm more maybe Harry Miller takes his job back and you guys are more Luke Whipler just keeps it, which is fine. I, I mean, they'll be fine there either way. But let's just live in a world where you guys are right and Luke Whipler keeps that job and Harry Miller is the left guard this next year. Um, I don't know if one good year of good left guard film, especially when you've got a year in between the two years that you started where you were hurt all year is enough for him to go pro. So there's a chance that if Luke Whipple keeps the center job and Harry Miller's the starting left guard, this is, it's already figured out your three interior guys will just be Harry Luke and Donovan again in 2023. How much do you think the possibility of Harry Miller is back in play for 2023? Nathan? Seems very much back in play the only wrinkle being if he doesn't win a job this spring like what is what I don't know where I really don't know how to read Harry Miller right now because now right now the Matt Jones thing is still out there they they've got to find you know uh, they got six guys for five spots right now if you're including Donovan Jackson in there and I, I there's just a lot of positions man where there's a lot of guys stacked up Maybe not a lot of positions, but some where there's a, a real traffic jam, and um, I'm, so I'm not predicting anything. I haven't, I don't know anything there. But if you're just looking at at places where there's like older guys who might feel like they're blocked, that's one to watch, I guess. Um, but I, 
I predicted when we when we did predictions for the depth chart, I predicted he would win a job this spring uh, or this preseason before next season, just because I feel like he's more talented than some of the guys he'll be competing against. I think it's just a matter of whether he gets back to health. As much as we don't know much about the tackles for 2023, it is possible that the starting interior offensive line in 2023 would be the same starting interior offensive line from 2022. Mm-hmm. That that Jackson Whipler and Miller are the three guys this year. And then they all stay like, that's certainly possible. And it it certainly feels more sturdy than what's happening at the tackle spot. So not a, not a huge change, actually, maybe a little, I mean, the idea that Harry Miller's in the mix, probably a good thing. Nothing changed on the interior of the offensive line. I think that would dissuade us from thinking that they'd be pretty good there. All right. Defense, defensive ends. We know we got to work out what this stand-up defensive end spot is, but Jack Sawyer and JT2 Malo out, Nathan, that's who we talked about in July. That's where we're still, again, they were a part of the focus of this. The thing we didn't know in July, had JT committed by when we did it in July? Like yes, he, had he just committed, committed three yeah. days before we posted this. Okay, so that was new again. I think you said, Steve, that kind of spurred it. On track, right, Nathan? Jack Sawyer, JT, both in year three should be good to go. Until I see something that shows they're approaching that position in a completely different way, yes. I think that's what you've got to assume, that they're going to find a way to get both those guys on the field. So then defensive tackle, Stephen. At the time in July, Mike Hall, top 100 recruit, was one of the guys that that Nathan slotted in there. Didn't play much this year. but um, And then Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton at the other spot. Both of them did play this year. If it's those three guys at the two tackle spots, Stephen, does that sound right for 2023? And if so, is that pretty good? Yeah, those three, and I'll throw Hero Canoe in there. And then how do we feel about that? Is that a strength? It's a really good. I mean, Ty Hamilton's your Devon Hamilton. Talika Williams might be a monster. Uh, Mike Hall is a former top 60 recruit, and Hero Canoe, they fell in love with him over the summer. I think that's a quality rotation and then i mean they'll play six and so there's two other guys behind that but if those are the four guys playing the bulk of the snaps i think that's pretty good so as we think about this then nathan does it does this feel like that this could be a potentially excellent defensive line because again we're talking about a bunch of these guys from the 2021 recruiting class who would now be really popping in year three when you have four freshman defensive linemen who looked like Sawyer, Tumaloal, Williams, and Hamilton looked, and you're projecting them two years out, and then you're adding a guy like Canoe to the mix, and then Mike Hall getting some playing time. Does that feel, Nathan, like that could be like one of the best defensive lines in the country? Yeah, I think it definitely feels like it should be. I mean, you would just look at it from their their pedigrees, their recruiting rankings, whatever, and those don't always pan out. But just based on that, you would assume so. But we saw the flashes from Williams and Hamilton, and JT Tumaloao at times. Like, we saw enough from those guys. I guess even sorry, if you want to go back to last year's spring game, I know that it's just the spring game, but there's there's something there with Jack Sawyer that just didn't really get to be fully utilized in games this past season because of the way that defense played out. So I'm still very um, optimistic about him having a potentially huge year this year. And I think it's the kind of defensive front that can be the basis of why you won a national championship, frankly. It's pretty good. 
All right, quick break. Come back. We'll finish up the rest of the defense. Will Ohio State's 2023 football team be the greatest in college football history? Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315 for the text. So, again, the defensive scheme has changed a little bit. We were sort of talking about two linebackers and a bullet. We know that's a little different now, but let's focus on the linebackers. Steven, back then, Will linebacker, we were talking C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers. Middle linebacker, we were talking Cody Simon and Reed Carrico for 2023 does that still sound right and what what do we think is our general impression of how good the linebackers will be in 2023 yeah as crazy as linebacker is right now i'm pretty comfortable with that i mean those guys will be year three for the most part and reed carico will be year four four at that point um i mean the ceiling is that's well hicks hicks and pat no hicks and Powers will be year two. Year two, Carico year three, and Simon will be year four. But that's four top 100 linebackers. And, I mean, Simon showed you enough at times when he was healthy that there's a ceiling, that, that's a decently high ceiling there. We haven't seen anything from Reed Carico, but there's every reason to believe C.J. Hicks and, you know, Gay Powers will reach their ceiling. Um, I'm, I don't think, looking at that, I don't think we're going to be worried about linebacker in 2023 the way we are right now. I think it's possible that, like, 2022 might be a sorted out year at linebacker. And mm-hmm. by 2023, Nathan, the linebackers might be a strength of this team. I think so. But there's been one big change that was not on our radar really at all last July when we did this. And that's Steel Chambers. And then now Chip Trainum go in that group somewhere. They would both still be around for 2023, most likely. So how are those guys fitting in at that point of their careers and at that point of Jim Knowles's defense now going into installing it for a second year, um, or I guess it already been installed. So just performing for a second year, I'm very curious, man, there's just like no more fascinating position on this team right now than linebacker. If you, and then if you extend that up to Leo, like, it's just, I feel like that's all anybody's going to talk about this spring. Whereas like last year, it was sort of, it was quarterback. And then a little bit of attention reserved for like what was happening at running back where we thought things are really crowded. Like there's just no shortage of fascinating storylines at linebacker this spring. And they have ramifications for what this team looks like in 2023. I do think even when we do talk about the 2022 linebackers, and I think maybe I've been guilty of this. We don't know who's going to play, but should we probably think that two of the 13 options will be pretty good because this is Ohio state. And I think that probably especially applies by 2023 because we have no reason to not think that CJ Hicks in year two will be a pretty darn good player. And then, well, if Cody Simon is starting in year four, it must be because Cody Simon is pretty good because if he's not pretty good, then probably somebody like Reed Carrico or Gabe Powers or Chip Trainum or Steel Chambers or Cade Stover or somebody, Stephen, has played him off the field. But I think, I think a year from now, when we are thinking about 2023, I think we'll have a much better picture of who has risen to the occasion. But as we sit here now thinking about it, somebody's going to have to establish themselves by then. That if you think Hicks is one of the dudes, I don't think the other 12 guys 
are all going to be like, well, I don't know, nobody. And Court Williams might be one of those two guys as a linebacker then too. So I do think they really might be pretty darn good eventually there. Like you said, this is a sorted out year because all these guys aren't going to be here a year from now. So we will have a lot of clarity. So if this year is you're sorting it out um, outside of that Notre Dame game where you just play the four guys, you know, are ready to go. You use that stretch in between before you get back to real football again to kind of really figure it out. And by the end of that season, we know it's these four, whether it's the four we have listed already or it's, you know, Chip Trainum and and Steel Chambers, you know, being the starters with two eyes behind them. This is a sorted out year. And that's why I say I, I'm still under the assumption that 2023, I don't think we're going to be as worried about linebacker because they're going to have that all figured out by next season in the next season. So let's go to safety then, because for 2023, this is pretty interesting. When we did the July podcast, we were operating in a world of one deep safety, a bullet, and a slot corner. We're going to think about those three as three safeties now. So it's mostly just name and stuff. Back then, the bullet, as Nathan outlined, Court Williams, Craig Young, or maybe Ronnie Hickman. Ronnie Hickman then, as we know, sees that job this year. Slot corner, Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez behind him, and then deep safety, Zion Branch and Xavier Wampa, neither of whom are on the team because they kind of missed in their safety recruiting. So I do want to talk about the spots individually. Steven, let's start with that. Whatever deep middle safety. I think if I remember, Knowles called them. It's nickel, boundary, and bandit. And bandit's this free safety. And then boundary is like what basically what Ronnie Hickman was calling it. Okay, so bandit. All right, so the bandit center fielder free safety kind of thing. Who do we think that's going to be in 2023? Kai Stokes. Okay, because he's the guy that they got when they didn't get Branch and Wampa. No, they got him before. They got him back in May. Um, And the reason his ranking is so low is because he didn't do any of the camps, any of the stuff that you would need to do to get a high ranking. But there is a Josh Proctor element to him that – the players have already they call him mini Proctor, and it's like if you see uh, seeing him in person, like they've got a similar build to what Josh Proctor was as a freshman. Um, there's some upside there that they might be able to tap into. So that's what I, I, I'm. I'm going to take a swing there and say Kai Stokes is pretty the good. There. And if it is like like that's like this guy you think could be a player as a second year guy. Yeah, yeah. I think is he it- might like push for playing time this year, even if it doesn't actually happen. Because if we're operating under the assumption that Josh Proctor plays that role this year and then mm-hmm. is not back in 2023, we, we would be maybe looking at they're going to need a new starter there at that bandit spot. Also, like Andre Turrentine, Jansen Dunn, some of these guys who are mm-hmm. in the safety room who have not done anything yet. But, you know, when they were recruits, people are all excited about them. Nathan, how should we be thinking about this bandit deep safety spot, do you think, for 2023? Yeah, I, I... – <sighs> They've got some work to do there, I think, to figure out exactly who that should be. I understand what Stephen is saying about Stokes. I also remember that we were well into Josh Proctor's third season and still looking for him to show that he was a free safety, and it didn't really happen until his fourth season. So uh, that's a tricky comparison a little bit, right? Like, (laughs) the more you look like Proctor, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It looks like a good thing now, but we'll see how his career progresses compared to how Proctor's did, which wasn't necessarily Proctor's fault. It was, I think it was, they had to bring him the long way around to the right fit uh, or to get him to where they needed him to be. 
Um, but really, I mean, man, it's same as with tackle, like missing with that class at the level they did um, just leaves a hole in terms of finding that like championship level guy. I think it's also possible that it isn't someone that is, I mean, I would throw out names like does, do they decide that Cam Martinez can be a free safety? Do they decide that um, Lathan Ransom should be playing free safety? Like there's going to be some more veteran guys who, who we think have the talent to play who haven't been blocked the way some of those guys you just mentioned have Doug, who maybe they fit there better than taking a shot on a younger guy, a less proven guy. Also, Bryson Shaw will still be here. None of us have said his name yet. Yep, he'll be here. And he played a whole lot of snaps for Ohio State mm-hmm. in 2021. So we've got to throw him in the mix. He'll be a veteran dude by then. So, all right, the boundary safety, which where we think like Ronnie Hickman will play this year. When we did this chart last July, we weren't expecting, I think, Ronnie Hickman to be one of the two or three most important players on the defense. Nathan, should we be operating under the assumption that Ronnie Hickman's last season at Ohio State is 2022 and we should not anticipate him being in the mix in 2023 because he'll be in the NFL? That's what I would operate under. I think he's that good. And if he has another year like this past year, and especially if he improves over what he did this year, I think he probably would leave. Yeah. So Craig Young transferred. If Ronnie Hickman's to the NFL, if Court Williams is a linebacker, maybe he's not, maybe he's here, but if he's, if Court Williams isn't here, then Steven, now we're entering. I don't know. It could be a lot of dudes. Who is it? Sonny Styles. He'll be in year two. That, that change him reclassifying changes everything because you're already thinking that a guy with that skill level should be on the field starting in year two. Well, year two is now 2023 instead of 2024. So. Okay. That's right. That's good. to go. It's really easy to forget about him because it was just like that happened very quickly. So that actually, they should, that's probably, that guy's a hugely talented guy. Who's going to get a jump start on it. Actually, this is, he's the Quinn Ewers answer. Yeah. He's just on defense now. It's like you lost a thing that you were anticipating them having when we did this in July, but now you added something. You added a different five-star that you did not – because we couldn't have slotted Sonny Styles in as, oh, he's going to be a sure thing starter as a true freshman. Mm -mm. But now – He's on defense and he's not from Texas. You don't have to worry about him transferring. He's Quinn Ewers. Oh, hey, I feel – National title, back on track. Oh, they are. They are the greatest team of all time. I forgot to slot in Sonny Styles. This is not at all facetious about Sonny Styles. It's like, man, they really could use another five star. They have him. He's here right now. He's not here right now. He'll be here in the summer. He's not here. Technically, right. he is here because like Pickers is like 20 minutes. So technically, he is here. He's, not, he's, in not, really he's not in class. He's not in class yet. Yeah. Yeah. Also, oh. this start is like, this might be the best team in Ohio State history. And then it. Oh. It like leaped into greatest in all of college football history. Since Rutgers and Princeton first kicked around an oblong ball and called it football in 1879. The greatest collection of talent anyone has ever seen. Okay. For real. I was like, man, I don't know. Andre Turrentine and he just like, nope, Sonny Styles is here. And his name is Sonny. I'm smiling. His name is Alex, but they call him Sonny. So, yeah. Oh, Man, I hope that I hope the listeners are feeling this. 
No, Doug. Sunny Styles. Oh, I'm just going to do that now. It's like, I don't know what I should have for dinner. It's like, don't worry about it, Doug. Sunny Styles. It's like, he's just the answer to every question. Should I watch this show or that show? Let's turn on some Sunny Styles highlights. Hope Perry Eliano is feeling that, right? Just relax. Perry, you're good, man. Don't worry. It's all good. All right. That, that, what's so it's uh, uh, center field, free safety. That's the bandit. Then the boundary thing is like the bullet. And then the slap thing. What's that? The banjo? This banjo. The, nickel. The, the this nickel. Is nickel. No, it's called nickel. Ah, banjo. All right. So who are we thinking? We, we had like Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez in this spot before. Nathan, what are we thinking here now? Tanner McAllister, if we think Tanner McAllister might be the guy who takes this in 2022, but he's a one-year right. one year dude from Oklahoma State. So then who's the 2023 guy? Yeah, I, I, I would assume Lathan Ransom. Um, and I would think, and again, this would, maybe this is where Cam Martinez. I'm really intrigued by where they decide Cameron Martinez fits on this defense. Because, again, it seems like there's something there. But I think you got to put him somewhere and give him some direction and let him really like fully flourish and, and capitalize on that. Um, but yeah, I think they've, they, they know that they've got the, the guys, I think at this spot, I don't think this is one where there would really be as much a question as there is at free safety. Cause as you pointed out, like Knowles has kind of intimated that versatility helps you here. Like, you, you know, if you've got enough corners, maybe this is where a corner fits. I mean, Sean Wade would have just been this right. Uh, if they had had this defense in 2019 would have been Sean Wade. They would have been called, wouldn't have been called slot corner. It would have been called this, but that's who would have played it. So I think they'll, they should always have the bodies to fit here. Anybody else we should be throwing in the mix here, Steven, beyond Ransom and Martinez, you think? No, not right now. Maybe, maybe this is where Tarantino fits in because he is kind of a cornerback body. Um, I think Jair Brown is intriguing here. If he doesn't get into one of those, you know, three cornerback spots because of what we're getting ready to get into, I think he can fit in there. And he said that, yeah, I could play in there if they needed me to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nathan Ransom and Cam Martinez will have a leg up right now. And uh, God, what's the Florida guy's name? Jair Brian Turner. Right. Yeah. Like him too. That'd be, and again, not a yeah. through the roof recruit, but some some options here. I do think. They, they probably are starting to have enough depth in the corner room where you can start thinking about some second and third year corners. Could they be shifted over to something like this? Because again, it's one of those things that's just hard. By 2023, Lathan Ransom and Cam Martinez will have have to prove it by then. I don't, I don't know that it could be like, well, okay, they, haven't, they still haven't really started yet, but they'll be fine. One of them will start in 2023. It's like, and I know Lathan Ransom is recovering from a serious injury, but Somebody for one of those two to be the guy in 2023 will have to, I think, know that by the end of 2022. You know what I mean, Nathan? That otherwise it'll be like, oh, it just hasn't worked. And it feels like now these are guys who maybe are getting ready to get passed by younger guys. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit tough because, again, Proctor being healthy, that takes up a spot this year. Hickman takes up a spot this year. And those are guys who would not be here at the end of the year. But generally, I think you're right that you have to start to see a little bit of something breakthrough from someone else the way it kind of did with, even if it's just like a Hickman 2020 thing, like it's sort of a brief opportunity, but they flash a little bit. They show you something that has you thinking going into the next year. Oh, well, that guy looks like he's on the track to, to be somebody this next year. All right. The corner spots in July, Ryan Watson, Ja'Kalen Johnson as the starters, Jordan Hancock and Jaheim Singletary. 
as the backup. So Singletary decommitted. He's not here. And Ryan Watts transferred. And so didn't even make the list. He's like a recruit in the 300s. I know, but it's only funny because like now when we think back, they were like bringing up Denzel Burke's name a lot this spring and we were still like yeah no that's not happening it's like, ah, just because they don't have anybody else to play it's like oh no yeah. work. it's like a freshman all-american so that so this will be in 2023 it'll be year three of denzel burke year three of jordan hancock year three of jacaylin johnson nathan it feels like that is a really good place to start and that you know jaheem singletary is not part of this but again turner and brown maybe they'll be mixing in in year two by then do we uh, uh, those so Burke Hancock Johnson three man rotations two outside corner spots? How good should Ohio State feel about those three guys likely being the outside corners of twenty three? I think they should feel really good about it because it's possible that that's more or less what happens this year. I don't maybe maybe Cam Brown holds on and stays healthy, but also holds off those other two guys to to get more reps than them this next coming year, but. It would, I don't think it would shock anybody if the three highest cornerbacks in reps this fall are Burke, Hancock, and Johnson, right? Like that that might just be if, – if it's time for those second-year guys to pop, and they do, then they push maybe ahead of someone like Brown and, and take a bigger role in this defense. That is the key there. At bare minimum, two of these guys will be entering – well, at bare minimum – Denzel Burke will be entering year three of having a vital role. And then either Jordan Hancock or Jacqueline Johnson will be entering year two of having a vital role at bare minimum. And it might be, you know, both of those two being in their second year as being co-starters alongside Denzel Burke. So you've got the experience, you've got two top 100 recruits and another guy who clearly has outplayed his ranking. I mean, I don't know if Ohio state could ask for more as long as this goes according to plan. And now, now Johnson didn't get to have even quite the first year that Hancock did. He was just more yeah. banged up, didn't play as much. So I don't know if, if that hinders him a little bit, but I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what are these guys, what are we going to be talking about in November is more than what we're talking about right now in February. And I think by November, we might be talking about both of those guys as having bigger roles. So when we think about this, then you think about it, it'll be the year two, of the Jim Knowles system which is no small thing might be just a comfort level that everybody involved has more of in 23 than they will in 22. And it feels like when you think about Sawyer and Hall and Tyreek Williams and Tua and Hicks and Powers and Styles and Hancock and, Burke and Ja'Kalen Johnson and Nathan, there just feels like it feels like this could be a really talented defense, right? That of course you make a lot of assumptions on recruiting rankings, but we're making fewer of them now than we did in July. And when you see what JTT, JT did in his first year, when you see the way Denzel Burke exploded, when you see the way Tyreek Williams contributed, it's there's a little more certainty to it. And if we if we have now if Ohio state fans have lived through a brief era where the Ohio state defensive talent was not up to the standard, it feels like 2023, this is the standard, right? It's back to that where there are draft picks on here. There are all big 10 guys on here. There are all American candidates all here. And it does not feel like there's a gaping hole from a talent perspective at any 
single position group. This feels like the defense of a national championship quality team on paper. A gaping hole from a talent perspective. Buckeye talk. I think it's an even more simple equation than what you're saying, because let's take it back to the offensive line conversation we're having earlier in this podcast. Look at this defense with the exception, maybe of free safety for 2023, the other 10 spots it's plan a, like, you know, what Ohio state was trying to end up with. I think at all 10 of those spots, it's the the two defensive ends, the rotation and defensive tackle CJ Hicks and any number of guys who could fit maybe at will now, maybe, maybe the chambers, Trey and him thing that was definitely not a plan a but if those guys are still around and proving that they're the better linebacker that in a way supersedes plan a because well this other thing happened but it was even better than what we were expecting um and then the safeties again in the corners certainly and then the safeties again other exception maybe a free safety like it's all there it's like their primary guys that they went and recruited to play those spots it's not falling backwards into hoping somebody works out i think that's maybe the biggest difference than the way we were talking about the defense going into last year, in some ways, even the way we're talking about this defense coming into this season still, like we're kind of like, well, what's happening at linebacker? And like, well, like which safeties are going to like, I, I just, the, the picture becomes a little bit more clear. You see the the thread between the recruiting and the, and the, and the depth chart in a, in a more clear way. I really do think the, the thing that you said, about how the 2014 team hit a year early. One of the things that when you look at this team, Stephen, a lot of the guys that were projecting to play a lot in 2022 are going to be back in 2023. Mm-hmm. That Jack Sawyer, JT2, Maloa, Tyreek Williams, Ty Hamilton, and Mike Hall are all going to play now. Potentially the only guy that would be back who's playing meaningful snaps on the defensive line is Zach Harrison. We think C.J. Hicks and Cody Simon and Reed Caracob and guys like that, they could all play now. Court Williams, they'll play now. The corners, they're going to play now. And that part of it is, if the idea is, well, don't wait for 2023 because 2022 might win the national championship. Well, regardless of what happens in 2022, Stephen, a lot of the key guys are going to be back in 2023. So they almost get maybe two bites at the apple here, at least from a defensive standpoint. And then it's all right. Can you replace the quarterback? Assuming CJ Stroud leaves, but otherwise, again, a lot of the key guys are back. You'd be losing CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then obviously we have the holes at tackle, but this is going to be as young as they were in 2021. They're still going to be kind of young in 2022, which is again, why we did this because we're keying off what was a really deep, and talented 2021 recruiting class that is going to be felt this season, but should be felt also again in 2023. This is why when they were playing all those young guys, especially early in the season over some of the young guys, um, it might've put them through a lot of growing pains and it probably lost them the Oregon game, but the payoff is, I mean, I'm not going to say back-to-back titles because that's just too far out there with the hyperbolic talk, but that's on the table now to try to go out there and do that because they played so many young guys who are now young and experienced and you're bringing all that back for two more years now. I mean, that it's almost like, (laughs) let's just say they pull this off over the next two years. You've almost got to go back and say, Hey, Ohio state fans, was it worth, you know, losing the Oregon and Michigan in 2021, if it got you 2022 and 2023. All right. So Nathan on the spot, which is the better national championship contender 2022 or 2023. 
Because CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones are staring us in the face. Yes. 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 All those things. Yes. Is it those four guys? I think it's those four guys. I think it's also that Zach Harrison is good enough that having him, Tumelo out, and Sawyer all in a three-way mix as your primary defensive ends is not him depriving you of something. Like it could be an enhancement the three of them in the, in the mix. Um, I think, but, but primarily those other guys, like I, again, you have a plan a at every spot on the offensive line. You have a absolute plan a at quarterback backup quarterback, you know, common cord being in his second year could be a thing. If you need it to be Henderson Smith and Jigba, how special he looks now. I feel like maybe 2022 has jumped ahead and, and maybe take now that doesn't mean 2023 doesn't still look like a very strong national championship contender, obviously. But the more you plan it out, because before we all, again, the assumption we were making all along was like, well, whenever Ewers gets to compete for the job, he'll just take it, right? Probably a little bit um, lazy on our part to some extent, but that was certainly part of the thought process. But what Stroud showed us season one, too, um, or his first season of starter, I should say, also should open some eyes to, because you've got to have the quarterback. And he's he clearly is a quarterback who can win you a national championship. I think it's 22-2, but it's for absolutely none of the reasons why Nathan just just pointed out. Like, the weapons, fine. They have weapons behind those weapons that I I believe in. It's because Kyle McCord might be awesome, and Emeka Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Julian Fleming, and Keon Grays might be awesome, and Travion Henderson will probably be the best running back in the country coming into that season. I have no idea who is supposed to protect them at all, and you know exactly who's protecting them in 2022. But the biggest gap is Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones to we're not sure and we're not sure. Yes. Nathan, is that derailing potentially? Not to set people on edge two years ahead. Is it derailing? Like, could they lose a game because their tackles aren't good? Oh, lose oh, the game. Sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, what do you mean? Could they lose a tackle a game because their tackles weren't good enough? They had two of the best tackles in the country against Michigan this year and got turned into cream corn. Like, of course they could lose a game because their tackles aren't good enough and they could lose it well before the playoff. So I, I, again, I think it's like a significant, I wrote a thing after Justin Fry was hired saying like 2022, he's, he's coming into a situation where like, yeah, you've got to figure some things out for 2022, but one of his primary jobs is either developing the snot out of a couple guys who are on this roster or working a plan B behind the scenes. Cause like they, man, now maybe we'll look at this differently by the end of the spring. Maybe we'll start to see flashes from somebody from this group that we talked about. But again, just the way you talked about it last July, I thought what brought some important context to it. Like you don't usually win national championships with plan B. Like the one, the teams that go out and win national championships. Again, I guess Georgia did just use, um, Whatever his name, Ohio is. State. Uh, Ohio State used Plan C and what a national championship. Yes. Yeah. So, how uh, dare, how dare you refer to me as a Plan B, Mister Nathan Bad? Fair enough. Which is why I say I don't think it's. Do I think it is the thing that would derail an otherwise really talented team? I, I don't. I don't make that assumption, but it definitely makes them more vulnerable. It is a situation where until we see it, I see no reason why. On September 23rd, 2023, Notre Dame isn't going to beat Ohio State. Do you think Justin Fry, Mark Pantone, and Ryan Day, and Kevin Wilson have had some version of this conversation, Stephen? 
that they are talking and thinking and planning and that they have to be on alert. Ryan Day needs Justin Fry to tell Ryan Day like in June. Justin, do you, do we have two starting 2023 tackles on this roster or not? If you're looking now, I'm not asking about 2022, but do you see the development possibilities? Do you think they're talking about it? Yeah, because that's, I mean, the last thing you want to be able to do as a recruit when you're in the recruiting war room is not be able to, you know, project your depth chart, especially when it's you know, 24 months from now. Even if Justin Fry is only here for a year and then he leaves because he's obviously, it's clear that he's trying to get somewhere at this point. That's his mission is to figure it's, oh, it's part, it's, if you name the five most important things Justin Fry needs to accomplish over the next year, finding out who Ohio State's 2023 starting tackles are, it should be on that list. Whether it's because you develop some dudes on the roster at a high level or he is 247 Sports you know, Recruiter of the Year because he went out and got Caden Proctor and like two or three other uh, – Caden Proctor and Luke Montgomery and like two or three other top 100 recruits. The hard thing about this is, is I don't know that you can solve this with recruiting because you would be saying we're going to recruit – a tackle who's going to start as a true, start as a true freshman. So yeah. you probably have to solve this either in development of guys who are currently here or in the portal. And that is a situation that Ohio stated very seldom in that situation. Not because, to this extreme. Cause even with the running back hole, you could solve that with recruiting. It was like, Hey, Trey Sermon's going to leave. And master Teague is just kind of, okay. We got to figure this out. And Tony offers like, I got your guy. He'll be ready by day one. He's ready by game three. He would have been ready by game one if they had played him. But like, I just, Nathan, I don't think that's not typically Notre Dame started a true freshman at left tackle this year, but like, it was like a thing. It was like, it hasn't started a true freshman at left tackle in a hundred years. If it's not Orlando pace, Nathan, it's not the plan. And even sometimes we see them reach and start interior offensive line guys, but a tackle like to put a true freshman on an island like that and just be like, you're plan A. I don't think they can think that way. That They'll still try to sign a five-star tackle in 2023, but I don't think they're thinking that five-star tackle would be their answer to start right away. Right. right. I, you know, look, 2019, they used Brandon Bowen at right tackle a guy who was like an NFL camp guy, very solid player on, you know, starting on a, 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 a great offense for a team that had certainly national championship potential and was not anything that held them back at left tackle is a little bit more crucial, but I think maybe that level of player is on this roster now and can play at a level that gets you by, especially maybe if your interior is tremendous, like if a, a, fourth-year Whipler and a third-year Donovan Jackson and a fourth-year Harry Miller, fifth-year Harry Miller, I guess he would be at that point if he's still around. Like, if they are so great, maybe they can absorb a little bit and you can get by with tackles that aren't that highly ranked, whatever. I just – it – I don't know, man. It just seems like a, a thing that's hanging out there. And, and as you point – I mean, Alabama this year had, had you know, some offensive line issues too. They did. Uh, and still got to a national championship game and – had a chance to win it. So I, again, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that it makes them um, it, it's the thing that's going to derail the whole thing from working. It just, again, makes them more vulnerable. And they, at that point about the right tackle, you know, 2014, Daryl Baldwin as a one-year starter, as a senior, is their right tackle. Chase Ferris as a one-year starter in 2015 as a right tackle, but 
both those years, they had a first round pick at left tackle in Taylor Decker. So the hard thing about it is both. If you felt like you were going to have to kind of scrape and reach and figure it out, figure out a plan B at one tackle spot, they've done that. The idea that maybe you're thinking that way, Stephen, about two tackle spots is what raises, I think, the the level of concern here. And that's where losing J.C. Latham comes in. Because this is a whole different conversation if he's here and you're just like, oh, that's your left tackle and we'll figure out right tackle even if it's like a, you know, a late developing player. Latham, last year's class or Zach Rice in this year's class. That, that yeah, but, but with Latham more just because like Zach Rice, he's year two and probably a first year starter. Latham would be a second year at worst, a second year yeah. starter at that point. And in a world where like, you know, Dewan Jones doesn't become this and you're just thinking it's Paris on the left, JC on the right. You just, Hey, JC, let's do the Nicholas Petit Frere thing and come on over here. Ohio state better hope that Paris Johnson wants to come back for year four to be the sports editor at the lantern. It's like, <laughs> he hey, writes good stuff, man. I, I'm, I'm waiting on the one-on-one interview. You know what? We all got like sit downs with Ryan day before the season. I think Paris Johnson's also going to get a sit down before the season. Maybe he wants to be the Metro editor the, or the, the editor in chief. You know, it's like, Paris, why did you come back? It's like, well, my, I hadn't reached all my journalism goals yet. So I decided to come back and I wanted to cover. Maybe he wants to be like the basketball beat writer in the winter. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know how journalism, why journalism saved Ohio State's 2023 national title hopes. It would be like it would be peak. It would be the best thing that journalism contributed to America. Like. Last the by, the byline on the story is Paris Johnson. <laughs> oh, all right. That's uh, a reset of 2023. I think it's an interesting discussion, but it is all, of course, informed by the idea of Ohio State right now. I haven't looked at odds yet, but they might be the favorite to win the national title in 2022. So we'll probably talk about that between now and September. Here on Buckeye Talk. For now, for Nathan Baird and for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks to you guys for listening. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.